Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If only the church were like the Masters Golf Tournament. This is Wretched Radio. Recently went to the Master... Why can't I stop talking like this? I think it's the music. Zoink, Scoob! This is Wretched Radio. (laughs) I don't want to brag or nothing, but... I went to the Masters Golf Tournament, and chances are you didn't. I'm not bragging about this, and I don't intend to make you feel bad. Although it it somehow brings me some pleasure to make Dr. Steve Lawson feel bad that he didn't get to go to the Masters Golf Tournament when he's a total golf fanatic, but I did. Maybe Alistair Begg might be jealous because I didn't see him there, but I did see 100,000 mostly men Follow the rules. Here are two of the rules. Jimmy, it is your job, if you choose to accept it, to guess the third rule at the Masters Golf Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. Okay. First of all, you can't take pictures. So just don't even bring a cap. Don't bother taking pictures. This is our property. You can't do it. Furthermore, we're going to shush you. And if you don't zip it when we tell you to be quiet or we put up one of our signs, uh, You're going to be escorted out. You can't walk anywhere you want to. There are paths for you, and you're going to stay on them. And these men who were so delighted to be at the Masters Golf Tournament said, Yes, sir, please just let me in. And if that doesn't persuade you that the church should consider consider becoming more like the Masters Golf Tournament, here's the rule that was a shocker. Jimmy? Would you like to guess, sir, what is the most fantastic, and I mean, it's it's really, when you think about it, absolutely shocking rule of the Masters Golf Tournament? Does it have something to do with applause? Yeah. It does. Well, sure, that's, that's a rule, too, but that's not the biggie that I'm thinking of. Okay. You have to surrender your cell phone before entering the property. Oh. What? <laughs> you want me to take away my heart? <laughs> you you want me to take away the control center and give it up for 12 or 14 hours? Yes. And we did happily. Why? Because we wanted to be in there. And I can't help but think if the church perhaps adopted the Masters Golf Tournament methodologies and values and beliefs about what it is that they are doing on that very special weekend, we might just stop shrinking or at least stop being laughed at. The seeker-sensitive model, going back now, perhaps 40 years, you pick, you pick the date when a group of evangelicals said, hey, People are dropping like flies. What can we do to get some of them back to church? What can we do to encourage the world to check us out? And so we decided to make church cool, relevant, hip, relational, 
fun. Are you going to your Easter egg hunt this Easter? That is what church has become. And the attendance is plummeting. It is dropping like a stone like never before. And I think there is a correlation to our attitude about the church and attendance. Now, we shouldn't seek to do the church just to build the numbers. Uh-uh. We seek to do church the way that who wants to do church? Who gets to decide these things about how church is done? Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be Jesus. And the question that we therefore should ask when it comes to every element of the service is, how would Jesus like this done? If he is, Hebrews 2, the worship leader in the middle of his people, how does he want worship led? What are the components that he demands inside of a church service? He should be the one who determines how church is done. And I got to tell you, I don't think, now I'm just musing a bit, I don't think our holy, awesome, consuming fire God is excited about, hey, 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 church, how you doing this morning? Man, good to see you. Come on, you can do better than that. Band, fire up the 80s medley. Not so sure Jesus is all that excited about that style of worship, but that is the style of worship that we've adopted as we brought down virtually every distinctive, every rule, everything that people would argue makes church so stodgy. Well, you can choose the word stodgy. I would choose the word reverent. And it seems that if you are reverent like they are at a golf tournament, people will come if. This is the key. This, this, this is the linchpin to ecclesiology. What are we doing there if it's rock and roll cool casual untucked entirely worldly what is that telling the world we're worldly our god is worldly our god is casual but when we treat church like the assembling of the saints of god the called out ones who have the distinct honor of worshiping God in the most condensed fashion imaginable. A bunch of Christians filled with the Holy Spirit get together and they proclaim the praises of God here from heaven through the preaching of the word, pray to God because of our intercessor, Jesus Christ. And we treat it like, hey, this is a big deal. And if you don't want to perhaps follow our protocol, Mm, you don't come in. Am I talking about church membership? No, I'm not. But as long as I brought up the subject, what should church membership look like? Now, I know that that has been jettisoned by most evangelical churches. They don't bother with membership, which I think is something that is indeed biblical. It is actually assumed in the New Testament. If you're if you're a believer, you're in a church. That's the assumption. Why? Because it's only as a member of a church that we can do the one another's, that we can do life together, that we can utilize our spiritual gift for the edification of the what? The family, the neighborhood? No, the body. The church is the called out ones who get to do the highest activity an individual, a human being, can perform. That's what we're doing. 
And if you would like to join this, you need to understand that there are some expectations. Now, please note, in fact, a buddy of mine, we're texting about this, emailing about this very subject. I am not suggesting that somebody needs to be perfect. I'm not suggesting that somebody needs to be fully sanctified and mature. I'm not suggesting that at all. If you have a credible profession of faith, if you have a mustard seed faith, if you have a thief on the cross size faith, you're a member of the universal church. But as perhaps you learned in catechism, if your church did that, another thing we've jettisoned, because it's too hard for the kids. Yeah, giving up a cell phone is too hard, too. But we go. In catechism, we learn some things about God, about his character, about his nature, about what he demands and what he desires. And he desires inside of the church that we are working people. And you are accepted inside of the universal church, but there is also a different type of church. There's the church triumphant, and there is the church local. And these were all in the church. If you've repented and put your trust in Jesus, you're in the church of God. But being a member of a local church means that you should at least understand what's expected of you and that there are indeed expectations. Do we expect people to meet those expectations before they can join? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying, shouldn't the front door of the church, which is might I suggest now, I know some of you like Steve Lawson and Alistair Begg would find this perhaps rather sacrilegious, but church is actually a loftier activity and event than the Masters Golf Tournament. So shouldn't church membership at least let you know up front, hey, you've got a credible profession of faith. We're thrilled to pieces. You want to join this body? And before we commit to one another in this covenanted relationship, we should do what is always done in covenant, and that is lays out, lay out the terms of agreement. Expectations. We'll tell you what we're going to do, and we're also going to let you know what is expected of you. And if you affirm, yep, I'm all about serving in the body, and I understand that if I don't do that, I could be disciplined. Mm. And that would go for other aspects of life. If you're not willing to commit to that, then I'm afraid, well, we're not going to tell you like the Masters Golf Tournament says, if you're caught with your cell phone, you'll be escorted from the grounds forever, period, ever, period. No, we, we wouldn't say that. But shouldn't we at least people know the expectations? Otherwise, it's a bit of a bait and switch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on and be a member. When then eventually we're going to start hitting them with some rules. Hey, what's up with this? Yeah, and if you don't follow them, we're going to discipline you. Hey, what kind of clam bake is this? Instead, let's see church as what it is. Let's make it harder to go through the front door, easier to go out the back door, because it is my contention that the church, this shouldn't be a blast of information, the church is more important than the Masters Golf Tournament. Yep, I said it. This is Wretched Radio. Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Look how small it is. Tell me, 
That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are certainly grateful for your time. So here's a crazy scenario. Did you know that there is a way for you to know all of the latest happenings at Wretched? When you can't even keep up with all that's happening in your own life, you can keep up with everything happening at Wretched. See, told you it was a crazy scenario. But you can keep up with all of these things by signing up to receive the monthly Wretched newsletter. Each month, Wretched sends out a newsletter covering tough theological issues Christians are facing today, and you're also going to get the updates about what's new and upcoming at Wretched. Makes you kind of wish somebody would send you a newsletter about what's going on in your own life. Well, we can't do that, but we can certainly let you know what's happening in ours. Plus, we give away resources every single day to one of our newsletter recipients. So go get signed up for the Wretched newsletter now at wretched.org newsletter. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. You say Edith in Romania, they say Edith. Burdened by the hopelessness surrounding her, Edith prayed for a way to bring the gospel to Chocali. Since she started in 2008, she has discipled more than 100 children in this small village and countless lives have been changed. If you have never been to Romania, permit me to draw the picture. Think poor, forsaken, dead town in the middle of nowhere. That is where the Tomorrow Clubs thrive. Kids clubs bringing the gospel to small villages. The kids get saved. The parents get saved. The church gets revitalized. And this is happening all over Eastern Europe, courtesy of the Tomorrow Clubs and you. $30 a month, 30 disciples. Would you please consider supporting your own Tomorrow Clubs? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Cyprian was a third century theologian from Carthage, North Africa, where he served as bishop until he was beheaded under Emperor Valerian. Cyprian authored a book called On the Unity of the Church, stressing the unity of the universal church as well as the importance and authority of the local church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Speaking of the Masters Golf Tournament, this is Wretched Radio, where the azaleas are blooming, where the course is pristine, and the rules are extraordinary, and we happily kept them because we wanted to be there. Oh, that the church had the same attitude as the people that are running the Masters Golf Tournament. Now, if you're thinking there's no way that I could keep playing this music for the entire program, well, I can. Because this YouTube video of the Masters theme song, Augusta, is one hour, three minutes, and 18 seconds. 
So just sit back. Relax. And obey the rules as long as we're talking about the Masters Golf Tournament. Don't know if you know who won. Scotty Scheffler is his name. I didn't know much about the fellow. He's 25 years old. But I was far more excited to hear what he had to say after winning the jacket than seeing him win the jacket, which is a big deal. And congratulations to him. He outpaced the field clearly. Quote, when getting the green jacket, the reason why I play golf is I'm trying to glorify God and all that he's done in my life. Amen, sir. It seems that this young fellow has an understanding about the role of golf in his life. 25-year-old went on to say his identity isn't a golf score. That's a hard lesson to be learned by a lot of golfers and professional athletes. They think that if they don't perform well enough, they've got pressure, parents, money, sponsors, agents, all of that stuff. That if they don't perform well enough, well, then I guess I'm a loser. Great news. If you're in Christ, you're not a loser. You, you, you are secure. You are safe. You are loved. You are going to inherit eternal life. You are a child of the Most High God. That is actually a better title than Masters Golf Champion. Now, I know to some of you, that's better than Super Bowl Champion. Do you know that about yourself? And, and just for a moment, going back to expectations in the church, do you realize what a privilege it is to be a member of a local church? Have you considered that lately? That, that you're involved in the life of the local extension of God's kingdom on earth? That there are indeed privileges and responsibilities, and there should be work committed to the life of the local church, something to edify the body. That gets worked out as you continue growing in sanctification, and it should not be a requirement for membership that, well, before you can join this church, um, you've got to commit to cleaning the church twice a month and bringing the Cinnabons. I don't think you can get those on Sunday morning unless the mall is open. Bringing the bakery from Costco once a month. Now, that's, that's, that's not what church membership is, but it should be understood. When you join this, we want you to know what this entity is. It is the church of the living God. This is where Christians assemble to do the most magnificent thing that human beings can do on the planet. And the Bible makes it clear there are expectations on members. It is not up to the elder to be doing the work of the church. Paul made this clear in Ephesians. They are to equip the saints for the work of the church. Therefore, as you consider joining us and we consider welcoming you, are you prepared to go to work for your local church? And if the person says, yes, we say, terrific, we'll get that figured out as we go. Come on in. If the person says, no, wouldn't that indicate a bit of a problem? Right up front. Now, for instance, we, 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 we've got to make sure that we understand what we're talking about here, that not doing the one another's is a sin. Not doing the work of the church, whatever that is based on your gifting, it's a sin. Correct? If that's true, I would then ask you, if somebody came seeking membership and said, I'd like to come in. Well, we've, we've got some questions for you. Are you living in any unrepentant sin? Yeah. Uh, porn. Sexual sins? Yeah, but I, I want to be a member of the church. You'd go, time out. Are you willing to give up those things? Are you willing to go to war against those things? No, I don't think so. 
what would you do? You, you wouldn't welcome them in. You'd say, well, okay, we don't want you to leave us. We want you to stay here, but we've got to work through some things. You're perhaps not ready for this commitment to the local body because we have to protect this entity because it is precious in the sight of our king. And we are the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And we, we just can't have people who identify as a member of this body who are pornographers. So you, we're, let's just keep talking this through, working this through. You keep coming, like to go to Bible study. We're going to have somebody disciple you. And then let's address this again in three months. You would do that, I trust. Why not with the work of the church? Why not with the one another's? No, I'm not willing to love people. Well, are you at least willing to try to love one another? No, I don't think so. You'd go, okay, hold on. We've got a bit of a situation here. And you would have to go back to the same conversation that we would have with somebody over sexual sins. The church of Jesus Christ is precious. I am not saying that we become the Shriners. What is it? The Masons, those hideous oath people. You got to jump through hoops and get hazed. I'm not for a second suggesting that. But the terms of the covenant should be spelled out. That is what your Bible is, incidentally. A testament is a writing down of the promises of a covenant. That's why sometimes we call it the old covenant, the new covenant, the old testament, the new testament, synonymous. The testament is the writing down of the terms of agreement. Why wouldn't we have terms of the agreement when it comes to church membership? Seems to me we should. Scotty Scheffler, hopefully he's a member of a local church. Like Meredith told me this morning, that's his wife. If you win this golf tournament today, if you lose this golf tournament by 10 shots, if you never win another golf tournament again, I'm still going to love you. You're still going to be the same person. Jesus loves you and nothing changes. All I'm trying to do is glorify God, and that's why I'm here, and that's why I'm in this position. Congratulations, Scotty. I'm so sorry I did that wrong. Congratulations to Scotty Scheffler and his lovely wife, Meredith, their three children and their dog, and other things I'm making up. Winning the Masters Golf Tournament, which people are aching to get into, but not so much the local church. As long as we are talking celebrity news for you, I didn't know that we were. Well, we are. <laughs> There's a new movie coming out. Don't know if you've seen the ads for it. It's called Father Stew, the one of the Wahlberg brothers. Jimmy, you're you're fans of the new kids on the block, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Is that the one that they were in? Uh, yeah, me too. You're you're a country guy, and I have no idea. Let me text my wife. <laughs> <laughs> sure. She would know. Sure she would. <laughs> well, the one of the Wahlberg brothers, who is a pretty firm Roman Catholic, wanted to make a movie about a fellow who's an ex-boxer turned priest called Father Stu. It's being directed by Mel Gibson, who is also a Roman Catholic, and it's rated R. About a man who became a priest. It's rate. Why? Because it has to be gritty. It has to be real. It has to be coarse and crude so that people know we're not just messing around here. We're really just like you, don't you know? Father Stew. 
rated R. And speaking of rated R, hey, look out for your Netflix. Here's one that's going to cause some consternation for Christians. The first NC-17 rated movie is now going to be presented on Netflix. NC-17 basically is, this is worse than R. I got to tell you something. PG-13 is problematic these days. I'm telling you. Oh, we, when, when, we, when we first got the cable machine, we would see a movie and it would say mature audience. And we thought, well, that can't be as bad as R. Let's try it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so we realized that wasn't a go. And then we tried. Uh, we thought, well, PG, I don't know what it was, 17, 16. Well, th- that must be appropriate for people to turn the channel. They're, look at what they're doing on the PG-14. Mm-mm. PG-13 sometimes will still fast forward the channel. That's what is on television these days. Those are the standards of broadcasters. They will do whatever titillates and what brings eyeballs. And Netflix is no exception. Am I telling you to boycott them? No, that's up to you. You can do that if you choose to. But you do need to know that if you have a Netflix subscription, your kids are going to have exposure to it. Not like they don't have exposure to that with their cell phone. Because they most certainly do. But they're going to be able to turn on the Netflix, hide it, bury it. The kids, you know, they can navigate their way around. And now, in case the filth, filth wasn't dirty enough on Netflix, we have NC. I'm sorry. NC 17. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. To South Africa we go, where a pro-life doctor who was doing his job when he explained to a patient that abortion kills a human, well, he's being allowed to return to practicing medicine because he was suspended for five years for telling that patient the truth. So let's think this through for just a moment. Why do people have abortions? It's to terminate a pregnancy. So then what is the definition? How do we define being pregnant? Well, the Secular Society Created and Society Maintained Dictionary defines pregnant as the state of a woman who has a child developing in the body. And the definition of terminate is to put to an end. So it just makes sense that we define terminating a pregnancy as putting to an end the child that's developing in the body of a woman. That's from the Secular Dictionary. And this doctor was suspended. Why? It's because the world hates truth, even the truth their books support. Kay Ivey, the governor of Alabama, signed two bills into law that she says will protect children and promote common sense. The bills will ban transgender treatments for minors and require bathrooms and locker rooms be divided by biological sex. Who would have thought, you know, 15, 10, even five years ago, that actual real legislation would need to be written and passed that tells us boys and girls should not use the same bathroom or locker rooms? Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett was recently interviewed on stage at an event at the Reagan Library, and as she spoke about the insane media presence during her confirmation, she was interrupted by a heckler. Five media trucks that parked outside of my house for days and days on end. Some were very aggressive. I would try to drive my car down the street and they would open the doors to block 
So you may not have understood all of that, but the heckler screamed out, Amy Coney Barrett, you are an enslaver of women. And Barrett's response? Fortunately, as a mother of seven, I am used to distractions. <laughs> um, and sometimes even outbursts. <laughs> she was pretty calm, but she was also sharp enough to make her point. Well, we've kept a pretty close eye on most things Disney-related recently, and their public support of grooming young children looks like it could soon cost them dearly. A new national poll shows that 69% of Americans say they are less likely to do business with Disney after video footage leaked of Disney executives bragging about targeting the minds of young children with sexual content. You know, I don't really know what this actually means for Disney's pocketbook, but I'm smart enough to know 69% of Americans is a lot of people. So I wonder if this is actually the hill they're prepared to die on. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies given to Isaiah. It can be divided in two parts. Isaiah delivered bad news to Israel and the surrounding nations concerning God's judgment, and he delivered good news of salvation for those who repent. Isaiah also offers detailed prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, who offers eternal salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. And suddenly this voice doesn't seem appropriate at all. Friel, it never was. This is Wretched Radio bringing you the latest in celebrity new- news and infotainment. Slapping a Bible verse on it and calling it Christian Radio. Much is going on in Hollywood. Not that the celebrities are leaving their houses these days. It's not all that safe in California, at least in Los Angeles these days. Zoink Scoob. Did you hear about the horrific story? The woman came out of the jewelry store and she was run over so that people could grab the watch that she bought or was having repaired in the jewelry store. They didn't go into the jewelry store. Evangelicals will love this angle because they know they've got guns in there. So they simply wait for the customers to come out. So how is our leadership in California addressing this horrible crime? The answer is you. You have to fix it. How? By not wearing jewelry when you go out in public. There you go. That's the solution that we need. That's it. Put the onus on the individuals who have been victimized. That is, why haven't we thought about that in the past? We never need police. Oh, yeah. I think that might just be the point. But that's not what this particular segment is about. Bringing you a movie review that couldn't possibly be more timely unless we did this about a month ago. <laughs> this movie called Turning Red came out about a month ago, maybe longer than that, frankly. And I remember hearing a little hullabaloo and it didn't interest me all that much. One day made a reference to it on the radio and you sent plenty of informative emails to idea at wretched.org saying uh, you might just want to look into what that movie is actually all about. And what I discovered, I think, isn't the thing that people wanted me to discover. I think that they wanted me to see, okay, uh-oh, this has got a lot of Eastern religion inside of it. 
It has a lot of information that small children should not be exposed to in a movie theater. It should be dealt with by their parents, not an educator, by their parents. And it shows a child who is, what do you know, a la the Disney theme, rebellious against an overbearing mom. Sending the message, parents are stupid. Yeah, I did discover that. But what I found even more interesting than that was the response of the world. And I think that this movie, Turning Red, indicates that is exactly what's happening in our culture. They are turning red, hot, angry toward anybody who is critical about anything that they hold dear, including a movie that deals a lot with the subject of what happens to women on a monthly basis. You criticize that. You criticize something. It it, it happens to be, too, that the characters in this movie are Asian. Therefore, guess what? You are sexist and racist. Let's take a look, shall we, at some of the reviews of the reviews. These are not the reviews. These are the reviews of the reviews. How did Pixar's delightful turning red become the target of sexist, racist controversy? Asks a woman from the Daily Beast, and she is clearly not happy that people have said things that are at all negative about a movie for children. That's, that, that appears to be where we're at. If, if somehow progressives fell in love with golf, tennis, some, some sport, and you said, you know, I just don't think tennis is as good as it used to be. Imagine their reaction when you say Jesus is the only way. <laughs> when reviews first started pouring in, things seemed to be looking good. A 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. But that didn't stop a few critics from shaming the movie for being exhausting. Okay, so somebody thought the movie was exhausting. That's shaming the movie? Any sort of judgment? For creating a character that's, quote, irritatingly obnoxious. Well, can't you think a character's irritatingly obnoxious? I, I, I found Felix Unger to be irritatingly obnoxious. Am I a horrible person for that? Judgment? And the answer is yes, these days you are. And over its scenes featuring menstrual cycles, which, blasphemy forbid, may prompt questions from confused children. Yeah, it, it may prompt them, but you're not the one who's supposed to be doing the prompting. It's none of your business how parents disclose information to their children. With all due respect to Disney and Pixar, one review bashes the film for including adult topics like puberty and menstruation. Another said, Turning Red is not a movie for a kid because the film glorifies disobedience. Get ready for this. This is exactly the type of absurd helicopter parenting that forces kids into defiance. Blasphemy. Here we are again, and that's the plot of Turning Red. (sighs) Don't you dare criticize the secular worldview this 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 ain't stopping at at gender issues sexual issues this ain't stopping there anything that is esteemed to be a critique of something valued and cherished hold on for dear life it continues and don't even get us started on the sexism misogyny and retrograde gender panic 
I, I don't think anybody's panicking here, ma'am. Behind the backlash to the film's acknowledgement of a fact of life, girls have periods. That people are triggered, triggered to the point of review bombing, flooding sites with negative scores and reviews. It is the year 2020 or 2022, and tampons are still taboo. Come on. What another great example of an individual who thinks it's their job to inform my children about such issues. Ooh. Got to tell you, this is, uh, this is one that should be causing concern for parents. Just read an article that Grace Community Church is now going to be opening up two private schools. It's the hybrid model. It's sort of like classical conversations. You do a couple days at home, a couple days they go to be with the kids and a teacher. And they're going to start that because they just think the public school system is too dangerous. This, this is interesting to me that we're, that we're coming to this because a couple hundred years ago, uh, Lutherans already did. They, they built the parochial school system because they realized what's going on in there, it ain't so good. We want to indoctrinate the children, not the world. Indoctrination is not a terrible word. It just depends on who has the privilege of doing it and whether or not it is true. And so Lutherans regularly built schools. It was not uncommon. If a big Lutheran church existed, there was probably at least K through eight and on, on the grounds of the church. Well, it seems now evangelicals are going, huh, maybe we should think about that for ourselves. And I think it's a good thing to think about. I truly do. Every parent gets to decide for themselves what they're going to do with their kids. But at least this would be an alternative, because let's be honest, all too often sending kids to a Christian school can be worse than a public school. Why? Because it teaches lies about Jesus. It waters down the truth. It makes the religion trite and silly or downright misrepresented. Christian schools can be real bad when they've become very, very, let's say, seeker sensitive. Why do I choose those words? Because there are two models for doing schools. You either do the ecclesiological model, that this is a church-based school and only members of the church can can participate in this the life of this school or it's evangelistic where we use the church or the school rather to bring the kids in so that maybe they'll get saved and bring their parents to church on occasion and when it is that former model look out you will soon have a school that is vying and clawing to try to make it as palatable and popular as possible which is going to mean watering down doctrine not teaching that God created the world in six 24-hour days, not teaching that God is serious when it comes to sexuality, not teaching that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. So now, churches, if you are concerned about families and parents and what they're doing with their kids, take a look at it. Could your church possibly support a school. You probably have the facilities already. If you're a bigger church, you might have the class. It's got maybe limited in size. But could this be something perhaps that we do to protect the little children from movies like Turning Red? And I'm sorry that I was critical. If you're a progressive, please don't cancel me because I don't like your Pixar movie that talks about menstruation. Please. 
What a world, what a world. Perhaps it is time for Christian churches. Oh, this is going to hurt. Oh, for evangelicals. Oh, it's like a kidney stone. (laughs) That evangelicals learn from the Lutherans that maybe, just maybe, parochial schools ain't such a bad idea. This is Wretched Radio. We've been telling you for well over a year that our newest production, Transformed, would be coming soon. We can finally say that Season 1 of Transformed is available now at Wretched.org and will also be airing on Christian TV networks all over the country. Transformed is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall and witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people that struggle with OCD, substance abuse, grief, self-harm, anxiety, pain, lack of assurance, and more. You'll be shocked and encouraged at not only the Bible's ability to pinpoint a believer's struggle, but also offer powerful solutions. Not years of weekly visits or the band-aid of medication, but real biblical solutions. With the help of Dr. Greg Gifford and Dr. Dale Johnson, you will witness people go from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed like nothing else on Christian TV and available now at wretched.org. And don't forget the study guide. That's wretched.org. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. Hermeneutics A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is narrative. Narratives tell us of real events with real people in real places at a real time. Not everything we read in narratives is condoned by God, but everything we read is part of God working out His plan for the world. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Turning red? I'll tell you who should be turning red. This is Wretched Radio. A very popular Pixar movie being defended like a nobody's business by progressives because they talk about themes that are not suitable for young children, but the progressive world that believes it doesn't take a village, it takes us to raise your children. They get so defensive when anybody is critical about the movie. It is loaded with Eastern religion. Can I mention that I don't like my kid being indoctrinated with Eastern religion? Can I say that? Or am I to be canceled for that judgment? Ufta. Furthermore, the issue of rebellion inside of the Pixar movie turning red. This is what one reviewer had to say. By the way, the reviewer, this particular reviewer, said some nice things about the movie. They, they said that there's some stuff that can be that's enjoyable in it, but you need to understand. I think this was plugged in. Ah, Movieguide.org. They, they were reviewing the movie for spiritual content, sexual content, etc. And and there's there's nothing, it seems, that you might be too concerned about sexually other than a cartoon character of a boy without his shirt on. That's as sexual as it gets. So this movie guide, they go through to determine uh, yeah, for parents. And they said some decent things about it. But then there's this. The story lacks the nuance or the fortitude to show where my, she's the main character, the girl who's going through puberty, was wrong. She's got an overbearing mother, of course, a caricature of a mother who's just yang, 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 yang. So what is the Pixar approach to parental relationships with children. Is it that children submit? I almost laugh when I say it. Is it that children honor their father and mother and that parents don't make their kids bonkers? No. Here's what the reviewer said. The movie suggests that while family values are all well and good, the individual trumps all, and that's not a political judgment. That's the autonomous self. That is the religion du jour. It's also the religion of the day. That is the way that people think about the universe. It revolves around me. Okay, so you've got heliocentric, that it revolves around the, the, the sun, or that we're, we're revolving around the sun, or you've got is uh, earth-centric. Jimmy, you took a science class <laughs> a long time ago. Oh, this is shameful. <laughs> Hurry, man, Google so we don't look like complete nincompoops. <laughs> what is the, the uh, heliocentric? Uh, no. Uh, and then there's right now there are people who have an IQ over 20 who are screaming. You're a moron. No argument from me. What is it? You got the name of it? The name of what? You're the slowest Googler in the world, man. Don't you ever study your you, teenagers? You want to know what heliocentric is? Yeah, okay. Well, tell me that definition first to make sure I've got that right. Yeah, it's about uh, having the sun as the center. Right. Okay. What is the one that's having? Geocentric. Got it. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. The, <sighs> the earth is at the center. Uh, yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, friend. <laughs> <laughs> we need to come up with a new word human centric the universe revolves around me no, individual centric solo centric there that works pretty good it's got the two 
Helio, that's three syllables. Geo is two syllables. So this will work. Solocentric. That's the universe. And that's what Pixar and that's what virtually every movie that talks to kids these days is about. Those parents are idiots. And I've got to tell you something. That indoctrination has caused the severance of the severing rather of more families than than it's up on the top 10 list of dividers is that the media schools we won't be telling your parents about this we're going to deal with this and if i could just for a second take a a discursus freel why not your adhd usually does there is a school system in washington hold on a school system in washington yeah i think i got it in this stack right yep here it is right here washington schools adopt race-based discipline white students to get harsher punishments <laughs> well where else could this go i suspect then right to this conclusion Discipline would not be consistent based on conduct. Instead, a school considers a student's race and background. It would likely offer harsher punishments to white students, even if the conduct is identical to that of a black or Hispanic student. Well, that seems, yeah, somehow, same crime, different time. Hey, wait a second. Isn't that a concern that that can be valid and that we should address? Well, if it works for us. But not if it doesn't work for you. The culture, you want to look at something. Now, this you want to talk about systemic racism? This is systemic anti-whiteism. Because this, this is the system. When, when people say that they believe in systemic racism, that it, it's, it's in the structures, it's in the laws. We can't argue that it didn't used to be that way, but... We've gotten rid of all of those laws, and should there ever be one that doesn't pass muster, it gets dealt with lickety-split. Those systems used to have racism baked into them. Jim Crow laws, can you argue? Slavery, can you argue? Okay, so I can point to it and go, yep, 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 that was, that was, that was a culture that was leaning in the racist direction. Not everybody certainly was that way. But those are laws that are racist in nature. Slavery, because of skin color, is racist. Where do we see it today? Where do we see actual laws, legislation, policies, city council rules, organizations? Okay, I think maybe, is, is the KKK still in business? If they had more than eight members, maybe we could talk about that being a problem. But really, isn't that like we all know it's fringe and ridiculous and hateful and horrible? Don't we all agree on that? I would suggest to you they are actually starting to create systems of anti-whiteness. That if you're white, you get punished. You get to the view. Literally, we're going to switch these roles. White people to the back of the bus. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that a battle we fought and won at no small cost to a lot of brave people? And now we're reverting. This, if you want systemic, I got to tell you, this is systemic. When you've got the Washington School District saying, the culturally responsive policy impacts every Washington school district 
because Democrats passed a law institutionalizing, here it is, critical race theory and student discipline. Now, my favorite part about this particular article is when, is when the two conservative members who voted against it asked, um, what does that mean exactly? What are, you, what are you talking about here? The two conservative members asked, what is meant by the term culturally responsive discipline? And so the deputy superintendent tried to explain, get ready for some chin boogie. Essentially, they're referring there that you look at, are you dispersing discipline across the ethnicities, the racial groups equitably, right? Okay, you just said the thing that you're trying to define with just a lot more words. How does this get played out, sir? What are we talking about here? It, it, it gets so much worse than you can even imagine. He said, so are you disciplining African-American boys more than you're disciplining white boys? So are you paying attention to all of that in your data? It has nothing to do. If, if, if somebody's being racist and punishing a kid, you, you deal with them. But you deal with the, the actions, not the skin color. What are their backgrounds? Ethnicity? That sort of thing can be commented in, a, in that way about it. Then asking classroom teachers, asking administrators who dispense that discipline, you know, what brought that about over the other forms of discipline you used in your classroom to make a change happen before sending a kid out perhaps for a behavior violation? Blah, 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 blah. In other words, they don't explain it. However, here comes another explanation from another liberal board member. What if, you know, just saying like, in my background, what if that type of rule that we broke was more acceptable at my house, right, versus your house? And you know what I'm talking to them when I'm talking to them like, hey, you know what? Actually, I thought I was okay. I thought it was fine to grab that piece of pizza before anybody else because in my house, I'm allowed to do that, right? Therefore, if a kid takes a piece of pizza that doesn't belong to him, but that's his culture, you don't discipline him for that. Bye-bye, any semblance of order in public schools as if that hasn't been challenged already. I'm telling you, if you're a Christian teacher, bless your heart. And I don't mean that in a pejorative Southern way. Stay strong. Do your best. I can only imagine. This, this, this is to undermine an entire culture, which is precisely the problem. Even a French foreign minister who's retired said this multiculturalism, it's destroying a nature, a, a nation. Indeed, it does. But that is all just a sign. You're going to love this little bowl. That's just a sign that we are living in a solo centric universe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.